0: Welcome to Meeting on the Mound. I'm Jake Reiner, and today I have a few takes on the Hall of Fame. It's just going to be me, just me out there, no guests today. We're going to talk to you about the Hall of Fame, the announcement, the election just occurred on Tuesday, and there's a lot to talk about. First of all, nobody was voted in to the Hall of Fame. That's number one. Um, We had 14 blank ballots, so that's the most ever in the history of the Baseball Writers Association of America voting on this, there's never been this many blank ballots. The closest to hit the 75% threshold to make it into the Hall of Fame was Kurt Schilling, and he fell 16 votes shy of getting into the Hall of Fame. Nobody else was really that close. The next two guys... Also, just as controversial as Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, and Roger Clemens, they have stayed around the 61-60% mark over the last couple of seasons, but they ended with 61.8% for Bonds and 61.6% for Roger Clemens, and we'll get into all of that in just a moment, but first of all, let's talk about what are some of the issues that the writers are dealing with when it comes to this ballot. Now, it's gotten a lot more intense tense over the last year, be, uh, over the last couple of years, because of all the new faces we're seeing on the ballots and their connection to the PED steroid era of baseball, and that's a number of these guys have been connected to steroids or performance-enhancing drugs. So that's the number one thing that the writers are dealing with. How do they vote on guys like Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Sammy Sosa, Gary Sheffield, who were all connected to the steroid era, but never suspended for using steroids, as opposed to guys like... Manny Ramirez, and next year we'll see Alex Rodriguez on the ballot. Those guys were actually suspended for steroids. We'll get into that a little bit later. The other thing they're dealing with is character, and that's one of the big differences between the Baseball Hall of Fame and the Football Hall of Fame where they instruct their voters, their writers, to consider the character clause. What type of person are they? Do they present themselves in a manner to which we want to honor them in the Hall of Fame? Whereas in the NFL, they're instructed to just focus on what happened on the field. Now, I think regardless of what the instructions are, these are human beings voting on this thing and they're going to have their own morals and their own standards. So, I don't really think it it you can really block out part of a person when you're talking about enshrining them in the Hall of Fame for the rest of eternity. So one of the guys that constantly gets talked about and rightfully so is Kurt Schilling about his character. He's got a lot of Hall of Fame numbers. He's got over 3,000 strikeouts. He's a, He has a World Series MVP. He has multiple seasons where he struck out 300 batters. So the Hall of Fame resume is there in terms of his playing career. But since he retired, he's been all over the news when it comes to his character and his opinions and the way that he tweeted his support for the supposed lynching of journalists when he commented on a tweet a few years ago. And my feeling is with a lot of these guys that end up getting caught up in the court of public opinion and and people are not so hot on their uh, their public persona and their and the opinions that they have. They tend to always say, "Oh, I was joking. it was such a joke. Well, it's not a joke. It's these have consequences. The words that you say matter. And when you are gunning for the Hall of Fame and wanting to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, you got to consider how your words matter and how your actions affect and they have consequences. Just like Kurt Schilling got fired from ESPN for his controversial transphobic comments that he made. Or some of the racist things that he said on social media. Not to mention, most recently, he supported the insurrection at the Capitol, which had a huge effect on people voting for him. And in fact, some of the writers actually tried to rescind their vote for Kurt Schilling after his support came out for the insurrection. So all this to say Kurt Schilling is now supposedly fed up with everything and has said that he doesn't want to be. Uh, considered for the Hall of Fame anymore and wrote a letter to the Hall of Fame basically saying that he wanted to be removed from the ballot, that he wanted the Veterans Committee to vote him in. And unfortunately for Kurt, that's just not how this works. Um, there are rules in place uh, for the Baseball Writers Association of America for the Hall of Fame voting that if you get at least 5% of the vote and Curt Schilling got 71.1% of the vote, you are still eligible to stay on the ballot. And there is a whole host of things that need to happen before he's even removed. So I don't, I'm not sure that's going to happen, but he doesn't really get to decide that. He can just you know, say what he wants to say and and move forward but the point is is that if you're considering for the hall of fame if you're considering guys like Kurt Schilling a lot of, a lot of people will argue well you know there are a lot of people in in the hall of fame that were not exemplary gentlemen Ty Cobb comes to mind as someone that um, was a documented racist so There are a lot of people in the Hall of Fame you could go back and see what their type of character was. And similarly with the steroids, uh, which I'll get to in a minute, I don't think you can sort of say, well, what about this guy? What about that guy? I mean, the, the, the Hall of Fame should be voted on based on individuals. And if the writers feel that you are not an exemplary individual and you don't deserve to be immortalized in the Hall of Fame, then that's up to them. It's not because of some what other people did. And, 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 and if they got into the Hall of Fame during when they were inducted into the Hall of Fame, that ha- should have nothing to do with you. So that's Kurt Schilling. I wouldn't vote for him. I think he's got the Hall of Fame numbers, but I don't respect him as a human being. And I don't think he deserves the enshrinement into Cooperstown. So we'll see what happens next year, if he stays on the ballot or not. He has a good chance of making it into the Hall of Fame if he stays on the ballot. He's only on the ballot for one more year. Um, His 10 years are up after the next go-round, so we'll see what happens. We'll see if he can break the 75% threshold. But a lot of writers seem to think that his playing career is all that should matter. Now, you have the right to say what you want, but it doesn't always make it okay. And Kurt Schilling is feeling the... um, the consequences, and I couldn't be happier for it. Let's talk about steroids. When I was growing up as a baseball fan, I was always just adamant that if you took steroids, you are dead to me, and I don't want to have anything to do with you, and in terms of the Hall of Fame, if you were connected to steroids, if you were suspended for steroids, it didn't matter. You were done, in my opinion, and in no way should you make it into the Hall of Fame. My thoughts and feelings have somewhat evolved on that, but I'm still conflicted. I still don't know where I stand. I I can tell you that if you were suspended for taking steroids or performance-enhancing drugs, I don't think you should be in the Hall of Fame, because after it was established in 2005, steroids were banned after the Balco fiasco. You knew the consequences. And you still decided to cheat and you still decided to inconvenience your team. I think that's a big point when we're talking about steroids is that for guys like Bonds, Clemens, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, all of those guys did steroids, but none of them were ever suspended for it. None of them affected their team like Manny Ramirez did when he got suspended. The Dodgers just signed him to a big deal. Uh, when he came over in 2008 and then he gets suspended for steroids and he was never the same after coming back from that. So he hurt the team that has to be That has to matter. Now let's take a look at this, right? So the brief history of the steroids in baseball in 1991, commissioner Faye Vincent sent a memo saying steroid use was against the rules, but it was kind of more of a warning and not an official ban. Testing for steroids didn't begin until 2003 And the first suspension came in 2004. I mentioned when they were banned in 2005, which was after the BALCO scandal. And it started out, your first offense, you'd get 50 games. The second offense, you'd get 100 games. And the third offense would be a lifetime ban. Then in 2014, the suspensions got harsher. So the first offense was 80 games. The second offense was a full season, so 162 games. And the third offense stayed the same, which was a lifetime ban. So if you take a look at guys like Barry Bonds, Barry Bonds, arguably the greatest hitter ever, or could be considered one of the greatest hitters ever, depending on where you fall on that argument. But he was the most feared hitter of all time. I can definitely say that. He was, he got walked with the bases loaded. That you were willing to forfeit a run so that you didn't have to face him and face the possibility of him hit, him hitting a grand slam. He's won seven MVPs. He holds the record for most all-time home runs. He holds the record for most home runs in a single season. But the controversy surrounding Barry Bonds was that he did it on steroids. And he broke these records while he was on steroids. And for guys like Hank Aaron, who for all intents and purposes did it naturally, and Hank Aaron, who just recently passed away, a lot of people considered him the all-time home-run king, and they don't consider Barry Bonds the all-time home-run king. I'm a little on the fence about this because I can see where writers would say, you know what? Even without the steroids, he would have been a Hall of Famer. And and same with Roger Clemens. Even without the steroids, he would be a Hall of Famer. He has seven Cy Young Awards. I mean, the, the no doubt these guys were some of the greats of all time. But just the fact that they took steroids to cheat and... Got themselves better and were able to break sacred records and were able to essentially end careers of pitchers and for Roger Clemens end careers uh, for for hitters because they were so good. It's a little it's a tough pill to swallow, and I get why people are on the fence. And the the one thing that I will say though in favor of of Bonds and Clemens is that even though they were connected to steroids, they're still on the ballot they still have a as good a shot as anybody else in the major leagues to get into the Hall of Fame. So nobody is taking that away from them. But in terms of the fairness, because a lot of people like to bring up, well, there's been a lot of cheating in baseball. There are, you know, players have used amphetamines. And even before the steroid era, people were cheating. And, you know, you've got guys doctoring the baseball or spitballs or, spit any type of other cheating you can come up with, there are guys that try to get a leg up in their respective fields. And you can look at the fairness of it. Oh, well, all these other guys cheated. And there are probably guys in the Hall of Fame that did steroids um, that that are in Cooperstown now for, for the rest of eternity. And you could look at that and say, well, that's unfair. Why, why are they getting let in? Well, I don't really care so much about fairness, to be honest with you, because it you made the game unfair by taking steroids. You put yourself at a greater advantage by taking steroids. So in in my book, the fact that it's been hard for Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens to get into the Hall of Fame, I don't really have that much sympathy for them. But if I were to take more time to think about do I think that they should they, should they be in the Hall of Fame? I don't think I could vote for them right now. And if I was one of the writers, I don't think I could vote for them. Maybe in a year or two, I'll, I'll have changed my mind. I've certainly come a long way since being you know a little kid thinking that steroids was the worst thing ever and, no, and nobody that took steroids should be allowed to play baseball and, the, and let alone be in the Hall of Fame. But I get where people are coming from. I get it. I get why people would think that Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. But if you let those guys in, And you got to let the other guys in who also were not suspended for taking steroids. The Sammy Sosa's of the world, the Gary Sheffield's of the world. Those guys are Hall of Famers. Sammy Sosa has over 600 home runs. He had three seasons where he hit over 60 home runs. Gary Sheffield has over 500 home runs. Those guys are Hall of Famers. So if you're going to let Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens in, then you got to let the rest of the guys in. Mark McGuire, too. He wasn't suspended for taking steroids. I think there needs to be a threat. Uh, th- there needs to be a bar set that if you took steroids and you were caught and you were suspended for it, then you don't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. I think there's a little wiggle room for the other guys that have never been caught and took it at a time when it wasn't against the rules. It may have been frowned upon, but it wasn't against the rules, and they were never suspended. So, I leave you with that because I I'd like you to you know come up with your own ideas and your own opinions on that. But very quickly before I go, I wanted to give you my Hall of Fame ballot because I feel like it wouldn't be proper for me to rail against um, some of the guys that didn't get in and not give you my guys. And so these were, in in my opinion... The least controversial picks that you could have. And a lot of people would question whether or not they are Hall of Famers based on their numbers. But I digress. Here we go. So the number one guy for me on the Hall of Fame is going to be Todd Helton. He had a 17-year career. He was a five-time All-Star, four-time Silver Slugger, three-time Gold Glove Award winner. He's got 2,500 hits, almost 370 home runs. He Holds the, uh, he is the, let me look this up. Where did I have this? Oh, yes. He has a career OPS of 953, which is the 18th best in Major League history. The one the two knocks for Helton, one of them is is the fact that he played his entire career in Coors Field, but I think that's just a crock of crap. I think that if you're going to have a ballpark in Colorado, then you've got to, You got to let, you know, you got to put those guys on an even playing field. You just have to, Um, you know, you still got to, you still got to hit the ball. You still got to hit the ball out of the ballpark. And if you're not taking steroids, then so be it. That's, you know, that's the ballpark you played in. And I think the fact that Larry Walker got in in 2020 is is a huge advantage to Todd Helton because of the fact that Larry Walker played a huge portion of his career at Coors Field. In 2020, Todd Helton got 29.2% of the vote. In 2021, it jumped pretty significantly to 44.9%. The other knock for Helton is that his second half of his career wasn't great. All of the accolades that I listed, you know, the five-time All-Star, four-time Silver Slugger, all of those happened before 2004. And he played until 2013. So after 2004... He didn't have any of these accolades anymore. And from 2006 to 2013, he failed to hit at least 20 home runs. So that's a huge knock. Over the the course of his career, he kind of tailed off towards the end, but still has a career OPS, 18th best in Major League history. So I still think that he's a Hall of Famer. The other guy I'm going to talk about is Jeff Kent. Jeff Kent, another guy, 17 years in the league. I think that Jeff Kent deserves to be in the Hall of Fame because he revolutionized the second base position. He wasn't a great defender, but he holds the record for most home runs all time as a second baseman. 351 of his 377 home runs were hit with him playing second base. He also has 12 out of the 17 years he played where he hit 20 or more home runs. He was the MVP in 2000. He's a five-time All-Star, four-time Silver Slugger Award winner. 2,400 hits, 2,461. He drove in 100 runs eight times. Um, And even at age 37, when he was playing for the Dodgers in 2005, he was an all-star. He won a silver slugger. And he was 19th in MVP voting. At age 39, he hit 29 home runs and drove in 105 RBIs. The knock for Kent, like I was saying, is that he's not a great defensive second baseman. And... Um, his, and and people would argue he wasn't even the best player on his team. Well, the guy he played with is Barry Bonds, so I don't think that that's really a fair argument, especially we just talked about Bonds and how how, how jacked he was and, and how big his head got uh, in more ways than one. But Jeff Kent in 2020 received 27.5% of the vote. In 2021, 32.4%, so a little bit more than the last year, and this is his eighth year on the ballot, so... He may not get in. He may not make the jump to 75%. Probably won't in the next couple of years, but he could be voted in by the Veterans Committee for sure. There are two more guys I want to talk about real quick. One of them is Andrew Jones. Now, Andrew Jones, this is his fourth year on the ballot. Last year, he got 19.4%. This year, 33.9%. So a pretty significant jump for him. Now, Andrew Jones... A lot of people, just like with Todd Helton, they don't like the fact that he didn't wasn't great throughout the entire entirety of his career. But he's a 10-time Gold Glover, and he is a five-time All-Star. He won the Silver Slugger Award in 2005, finished second in MVP voting in 2005. He has 434 career home runs, which is fifth most for center fielders all time. The guys ahead of him are Mays, Griffey, Mantle, and Carlos Beltran. So three Hall of Famers right there. He's almost, you know, not quite, 1,933 hits. But the, the thing that I found amazing was, is that based on the advanced metrics available on baseball reference and fan graphs, Jones is the best defensive center fielder in the history of baseball. That's crazy. I remember over a period of time when he played for the Atlanta Braves, You turn on any highlight reel of Andrew Jones, it was the most amazing thing to watch. The ground he could cover, the home runs he robbed, the diving catches he made, he was incredible. He was a great center fielder. So it's no um, shock to me that he would be considered the best fielding center fielder of all time. The problem is, is that he was really only a Hall of Famer when he was with the Braves from 1996 to 2007. From 2008 on to 2012, when he ended his career, his offensive numbers took a steep decline and he never reached the 20 home run mark. And he didn't drive in at least 50 runs after he left the Braves. So that's his big issue. But for the short period of time, he was on the Braves, best center fielder ever. So that's why I would vote him in because guys like Ozzie Smith, Ozzie Smith was voted in because of his defense. So Andrew Jones... Not only was a great defensive player, but he also was a great offensive player as well. So the combining the two, he should be in the Hall of Fame. And last but not least is Scott Rowland. Scott Rowland has the most votes out of any of the guys I mentioned prior, and he made a huge jump from 2020 to 2021. In 2020, he had 35.3% of the vote. In 2021, just the other day, 52.9%. And this is only his fourth year on the ballot. So he has a lot of room to make up that ground to get 75%. There's a real shot there for him. Now with Scott Rowland, another guy, 17 years in the league, he has some insane numbers. If you take a look at him, he's an eight time gold Glover, which is the third most gold gloves all time for third baseman behind Brooks Robinson and Mike Schmidt, both Hall of Famers. He's a seven-time All-Star, he won a Silver Slugger Award, and he finished as high as fourth in MVP voting in 2004. His career war, if you like those numbers, wins above replacement, is 70.1, which is ninth best among third basemen in the history of the game. He also has 316 home runs and over 2,000 hits. He also won a World Series in 2006. He was a World Series champion. And in, and in that World Series, he hit 421 and had an OPS over 1,000. So he's clutch in the postseason as well. I think when you look at it, the totality of his career, his defense, his offense, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame if you look at the advanced metrics, not the traditional milestone metrics that you would look for 3,000 hits, 500 home runs, that sort of thing. So that's where I stand, folks. I'm a little iffy on the steroid thing. I know it's kind of frustrating me. And actually, up until we started recording this, I didn't know where I was going to land on it. But I honestly don't think I could vote for Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens or those guys at this point. But enough people have made the argument to me to allow for there to be room for discussion on this because they were never suspended for taking steroids. They never inconvenienced their team by being suspended. And they played at a time where there were no suspensions and it wasn't banned. So that's a huge part of it. And that's why they could eventually make it into the Hall of Fame if they were voted on by the Players Committee. They probably will not make it. They only have one more year left and they're only at 60%. I don't see them making a miraculous comeback. But you heard my Hall of Fame picks. I'd love to hear yours. And this was a lot of fun. I hope to do a lot more of these segments where I can just kind of talk to you guys. You can get to know me and I can get to know you. Before we go, I want to leave you with this thought from Gabe Goodwin, who is a veteran sports producer, and he tweeted this out. He said, imagine if we lived in a country where getting voted into Congress was as difficult as getting voted into Cooperstown. That's an interesting thought and one that I haven't really thought about. I guess it is more difficult to get into Cooperstown. I mean, look, we elected Donald Trump and he has a lot more... Going against him than Barry Bonds, and yet Bonds can't get into the Hall of Fame. So that's just a, a tweet to put it put things into context for me. I'm always open to new ideas and new opinions, and I like to absorb as much information as possible before I make my decisions and my judgments. So that is an interesting thing. Are we are we being too harsh with the Hall of Fame? Are we are we not allowing enough guys in? Are we robbing us? of seeing a guy like Barry Bonds get into the Hall of Fame, arguably the best hitter of all time. Are we doing that to ourselves by nitpicking here? I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if st- saying someone took steroids or cheated is really nitpicking. It's a huge part. It's a huge part and it deserves it deserves scrutiny, but it definitely should be harder to get into Congress than to get into the Hall of Fame. I'll leave you with that. Definitely. I definitely agree with that sentiment. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting on the Mound. You can subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Reiner underscore Jake. I just got verified, by the way. So now you know that when I tweet something, it is official. And um, whereas before I was a fake person, now I'm a real person. So get ready. Get ready, America. Get ready, world. Here we go. Meeting on the Mound. Thank you for joining us.